This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. More overpass drama. So same name, not connected. Not connected. How a BC company suspended for an overpass strike found a way to keep its freight flowing anyway. New developments in the case of a chronic impaired driver. Different provinces have different rules. Despite more than 20 convictions, how he's still able to get ICBC insurance. And real estate revelations. Every single sale that comes through, you know, we get it here. We get to analyze it. What new BC assessments show us about the value of properties around the province. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A Metro Vancouver trucking company suspended last week after one of its rigs struck an overpass says trucks with the same name driving in BC right now are not theirs. Janet Brown has the latest on a new controversy over Chohan trucking and who's really hauling the goods. At Chohan Freight Forwarders in Aldergrove, trucks are moving around the lot, but not off the lot as far as we saw, after the company was issued a suspension Friday to operate in BC. Following a collision with an overpass in Delta on December 28th, the company's sixth infrastructure crash in two years. This is not an isolated Chohan issue, this is an infrastructure issue. Since the suspension was issued, trucks with the same company name have been spotted in BC and pictures have been showing up on social media. Our Alberta fleet that we have is a relative. Johan says the trucks people are seeing are from an Alberta company and a separate entity altogether. It's a relative that has the fleet in Alberta, but we operate as completely separate entities. So the British Columbia fleet of Chohan Freight Forwarders is currently suspended at this time and not related to our Alberta fleet. It is entirely possible that you have different corporate entities registered in different jurisdictions running different assets. The BC Trucking Association says there is still more work to be done when it comes to the sharing of information between provinces, industry and even the federal government. The province's ability to enforce only extends as far as the law allows them to extend. So it's open for question what they can do in terms of enforcing laws with another entity from another jurisdiction. The BC Transportation Ministry has issued a statement saying commercial vehicle safety and enforcement is looking into this further and is communicating with regulators in Alberta who are aware of the BC company's suspension here. It is very concerning for our members that when we see a suspension be issued that that suspension is actually followed. The more trucks you have the higher opportunity is going to have an incident. She says there has been no word from the government when the suspension may be lifted. Janet Brown, Global News. Now more on the story of an Abbotsford man sentenced to nearly five years behind bars for his 21st impaired driving conviction. You might be wondering how someone with a suspended license was able to insure a vehicle in the first place. As Christian Robinson reports, there's no rule against it. 
Roy Hyde was a prohibited driver and had no license at the time of the August 2022 crash that netted him his 21st impaired driving conviction. Yet Abbotsford police say he was able to insure his motorcycle with ICBC as the registered owner. I think it's a reasonable question. You know, why someone who can't drive their vehicle would be able to purchase insurance. Police say many of BC's prohibited drivers have vehicles registered to them. Often other family members are using these vehicles. Most of these chronic prohibited drivers who are facing 25-year bans, court-ordered driving bans, historically show a very high disregard to any kind of prohibitions and use that easy access to just hop in the vehicle where they then drive in our community and we are seeing it more and more pose a great risk. If you're the only person who has access to that vehicle, it's curious why you would need insurance. We wanted to ask ICBC why prohibited drivers can still insure vehicles in their names, but the insurance corporation did not make anyone available for an interview Tuesday. In a statement that did not fully answer our question, ICBC said, insuring a vehicle is the responsibility of the registered owner of the vehicle rather than the driver, and therefore a valid driver's license isn't required to obtain insurance. And even if you can't legally drive, you'll pay more for insurance through a driver risk premium. A man who does not want to be identified for safety reasons told Global News he rented a room to hide last year and later evicted him. The 66-year-old drank like a fish, he said, and, quote, when he drinks, he's nuts. I think he has shown that the only thing that's going to stop him from driving is the inability to drive. And so, for a certain extent, that means removing him from, from society and, and a longer prison sentence. Hyde is currently serving a prison sentence of four years and 354 days. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Mystery surrounds a heavy police presence at a Nanaimo waste management facility tied to a Monday morning attack. The Nanaimo RCMP Serious Crime Unit executing search warrants at DBL Disposal Services. Police say they were first called just after 7 a.m. Monday to check on a man in medical distress. The victim was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. A suspect has been taken into custody and police say there is no risk to the public. They located an individual that was in medical distress in the area of the 300 block of 10th Street. Uh, at that time, obviously, the investigation started and led to eventually investigators going and executing the search warrants at the DBL uh, disposal services. At this point, the investigation is isolated and the search warrants are isolated directly to that property itself. Investigators are expected to remain at the scene for some time and people in the area will see an increased police presence. On Vancouver Island, fire crews in Black Creek battled their first big fire of the year today. Flames you know shot happened? out from a workshop on Robin Road around 10 this morning. Fire officials say the building was engulfed when they arrived on scene. They confirmed propane tanks were at the shop, but fortunately no one was inside it at the time. When we got here, the owner said uh, they were in the house and heard an explosion in the barn, which or the shop, which made them look outside and saw that it was fully involved. Crews were able to stop the fire from spreading to nearby buildings. So far, so far, there's no word on a cause. Air Canada has landed at the bottom of the list among North America's largest airlines for being on time. That's according to a major aviation analytics firm. WestJet isn't much better, and as Cassidy Moscone shows us, the ranking could indicate bigger issues facing Canadian carriers. 
You grab your passport, get to the airport ahead of time, bags checked in, but then your flight's delayed. It was delayed an hour. Who is your airline? Air Canada. How much was it delayed? Uh, one hour. Yeah. And who was your airline? Air Canada. It wasn't ideal. It's an all too familiar feeling for Air Canada passengers, the national carrier claiming the sky-high prize no airline wants. Air Canada was found to be the worst large airline in North America in terms of on-time arrival. The Sirium data looking at North America's 10 largest airlines, crowning Delta Airlines the winners, with an on-time arrival score of nearly 85% in 2023, Second place, Alaska Airlines, 82%, followed by American Airlines, just over 80%. The bottom group, Frontier Airlines and JetBlue Airways, both around 68%. Air Canada, last, just 63%. We asked to speak with someone from Air Canada. Instead, we got a statement saying the results reflect the challenges faced by all carriers. It said the airline is consistently improving, telling us by year-end its monthly on-time performance had shown double-digit growth since July. The airlines have to take responsibility to not scheduling more flies than the system has capacity to handle. Passenger advocates say the government needs to intervene. The government has been miserably failing its mandate in enforcing passengers' rights to begin with. Consequences are there in the law books. The enforcement is the problem and clarity on when the airline is liable. The Federal Transport Minister's Office told Global News it's strengthening regulations through a new bill. Bill C-52 will mean better accountability, transparency and cooperation between partners across the aviation sector. Airlines need to do better for Canadians. A sentiment echoed by passengers countrywide. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Some of the delays passengers faced in 2023, including those travelling through YVR on Christmas Eve, were caused by staffing shortages at NAV Canada. The company, which oversees air traffic controllers, tells Global News they're taking action by, quote, leveraging a number of responsive strategies to support appropriate staffing levels, including optimizing staff scheduling, rehiring recently retired controllers, and leveraging temporary assignments. The 2024 BC assessments are in the mail and homeowners may be surprised to see there's not much change from last year. Most of the region has seen minimal fluctuation up or down about 5%. Alyssa Thibault looks at what's behind the unusually stable market. Topping the list for another year, the Vancouver waterfront home owned by Lululemon founder Chip Wilson increasing in value. Do you want to guess first? 45 million. Okay, what if I told you it was 81.7? It's incredible. It's now valued just below $82 million, up from 74 the year before. Oh, okay, it's gone up, not surprising. Is that in line with the increase, increase in the price of milk? <laughs> Number two on the list, a home on Belmont Avenue, valued at $70.4 million, up from 66.9, followed by the entire James Island off the coast of Saanich at $57.9 million. Two other properties also on Point Grey Road and Belmont Avenue, rounding out the top five. But overall, BC property values didn't change much the past year. We're looking at minus five to plus five percent for, for pretty much all properties. Uh, there wasn't too much else out there that was all that um, interesting.
interesting, I suppose. Outside the Lower Mainland, that range increased to plus or minus 10%, but still fairly modest. Economists say sales did drop off through 2023, with many buyers priced out of the market due to high interest rates. But there wasn't much impact on cost. Prices in themselves have proven resilient. They haven't moved down as much as we probably would have expected. While property valuations are used to estimate municipal property taxes, experts say they're not necessarily an indication of market change. It's so tied to interest rates that I think it all has to do with what interest rates do. We expect those interest rates to move down through 2024. We expect the first cut from the Bank of Canada uh, occurring in the second quarter. Um, And that is going to draw, I think, more buyers off the sidelines. And more buyers could begin to drive up prices again. 2024 property assessments are calculated from July 2023. Homeowners looking to challenge their valuations need to do so before January 31st. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. And here are the highest assessed homes in cities across Metro Vancouver. You just heard entrepreneur Chip Wilson's home on Point Grey Road is at the top at $81.7 million. In West Vancouver, a waterfront mansion in the community of West Bay is assessed at $34.3 million. Singer Michael Bublé's home in Burnaby is $26 million. In Richmond, the property with the highest value is a vacant lot on Number 3 Road at $12.7 million. And in Surrey... It's a home on Indian Fort Drive in Ocean Park, valued around $20 million. TransLink has launched its new rapid bus service to help speed up the commute along the busiest traffic corridor south of the Fraser. The R6 line is expected to save commuters about 10 minutes each way as it travels along Scott Road between the Newton Exchange and Scott Road Station. The buses are expected to arrive at each of the 11 stops along the line every seven and a half minutes during peak time. The new line represents TransLink's largest service expansion in three years. With over 30,000 boardings on the 319 every weekday last year, it's not only the busiest bus route south of the Fraser, it's our fourth busiest of this region. This express service will make room for 20% more people and make commutes faster by up to 10 minutes in each direction. Customers on this route will have fewer stops, bigger buses, all-door boarding, and bus priority lanes. The existing 319 bus will continue to run alongside the R6, although running less frequently, but making more stops. A senior citizen has lost thousands in a scam, even though the thieves never got the cash. Instead, for two years, she's been caught in a dispute between banks with no luck getting her money back. Her warning to others next on Consumer Matters. The fire that we saw was rapid and intense. The latest on a Toronto subway scare and what sparked it later on the news hour. And they're not quite panicking yet, but why Prince George is getting concerned about its distinct lack of snow later. Right now, though, a B.C. senior is sharing her story after falling for a banking scam where she ended up losing thousands of dollars. Her family is wondering why the bank didn't do more to protect her at the time of the fraud. With more, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. Anne? Thanks, Sophie. Sad and angry. Those are just some of the emotions that B.C. senior says she felt after falling victim to what's known as the bank investigator scam, where a fraudster calls you asking for help with suspicious transactions on your bank account. Global News is protecting her identity and calling her Mary because she fears she could be targeted again. 
I was in, um, in fear all the time. Mary's frightening ordeal began in March 2021, when she says she received a phone call from someone posing as an employee with RBC's fraud department, telling her they were investigating fraudulent charges on her credit card and working with police. Mary says she was told to tell no one or she would be putting her family in danger. I thought I was trapped, really trapped. Mary says a fraudster instructed her to go to her bank, RBC, and withdraw $6,000 from her account to help with the investigation. She was then ordered to go to the neighboring TD bank and deposit the funds into an account. But Mary says the first TD teller refused her cash deposit because she was not a TD customer. I went and the clerk told me, you don't have an account uh, in TD bank, so I can't put the money. Mary says the imposter told her to try a second TD bank. This time, Mary says the teller accepted her cash deposit without question. He didn't say anything. No questions. Not even. Just accepted the deposit. Accept. Once the funds were deposited, Mary says the froster hung up. She then called her son, who then contacted the bank and the RCMP. Mary says her son was told by TD the funds were frozen, but she must contact RBC to get her money back. But almost two years later, Mary says she's never received the money she lost. Consumer Matters reached out to RBC on Mary's behalf, asking about the funds. RBC, in an email, stated in part, we can advise that we have followed up with our client on this matter to answer any remaining questions they may have. When we asked TD about why Mary was never questioned by staff when she deposited the $6,000 and whether or not her funds were frozen during the fraudulent transaction, a TD spokesperson stated in part, I can confirm this case was investigated by our team. Each circumstance is different and assessed accordingly, and we work with law enforcement as required. But Burnaby RCMP told Consumer Matters, while the police investigation is now concluded, the information it had was that the fraudulent transaction was halted before it could be completed. Cybersecurity experts say when it comes to banking, better protections need to be in place. It's clear to me that government needs to partner with banks and other financial institutions to standardize the awareness and professional training that goes to frontline branch staff, as well as to any other type of banking and financial employees. Mary says she just wishes the bank had done its due diligence, now left wondering what happened to her money. Now, we did ask TD Bank more than once about exactly what happened to Mary's funds when she made the cash deposit. Were her funds frozen at the time of deposit or is her money gone? But TD did not answer those questions. Meantime, Mary's son has told Consumer Matters he and his mother are extremely disappointed with the bank's reaction and are now considering legal action. And if you have a Consumer Matter for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good work, Ann. Thank you very much. Two people are facing a string of charges after West Shore RCMP officers responded to a suspicious vehicle parked outside a casino. It happened New Year's Eve outside the Elements Casino, Victoria. Police found a man and woman sitting inside the pickup truck along with a load of power tools, electronics and checkbooks, ID and financial documents, some of which had been reported stolen. Police say the pair provided false identification and it was later determined the tools and electronics were purchased using stolen credit cards. 
The 48-year-old man and 27-year-old woman are facing charges for identity fraud and possession of stolen property and forged documents. Just ahead, BC MLAs get the gift of psychedelics. Sometimes we can forget uh, the plant-based origins of these medicines. Dana Larson's ploy to get BC politicians to loosen up drug prohibitions and how they're reacting to it. Also coming up, why a store that's part of the fabric of this West Vancouver community is closing down. Many BC MLAs got a surprise package this holiday season from drug advocate Dana Larson. He says he sent a gift box of illicit drugs to more than 70 elected officials. And as Grace Key reports, at least one of them is not impressed. BC United South Surrey MLA Eleanor Sturko got a late Christmas present sent to her office. It's not the usual gift you'd find under the Christmas tree. This looks like psilocybin. Uh, mushrooms, a gram, and this is, looks like a coca leaf. So this is coming to me in a Christmas card, which I find also offensive. Longtime drug advocate Dana Larson sent the package to all the BC MLAs. It came with directions on how to use the drugs and a letter asking to update drug policies and to use their political influence to discourage further police raids to his operations. Well, first of all, I don't have the ability to use my political influence to interfere in police investigations whatsoever. I think it's important for people, not only our elected officials, but all Canadians, to be able to touch and understand what these substances really are. At his Coca Leaf Cafe on East Hastings Street, Larson says he sent the packages to advocate for change. Sometimes we can forget uh, the plant-based origins of these medicines. And I think that going back to that, providing the things we do here of whole coca leaf, of whole psilocybin mushrooms and things like that, I think that's part of the solution uh, to the war on drugs. This isn't the first time Larson has sent drugs to politicians. In 2014, he sent cannabis to then-Premier Christy Clark and in 2018 to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and 184 newly elected MPs. This goes beyond even just trafficking drugs. This is also, I find this to be a, uh, an issue of harassment as well. I don't appreciate getting these. I think that it's outrageous that someone would uh, be bold enough to send this kind of crap in the mail. Sterko handed the drugs over to the RC. She's been in touch with other MLAs and will be in contact with the B.C. government. Grace Key, Global News. A business that became the fabric of the community for more than 50 years is closing its doors. The Knit and Stitch Shop in West Vancouver is moving out to make way for development. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the owner has cast her eye to a new adventure. Stuffed full of yarn, the bags are loaded into a moving truck and squished together. It's very sad. Yeah. I think it's going to be a real loss to this community. It's the end of a crafting era as a community hub shuts its doors. Everyone drives here to get their knitting supplies and they bring all of that money to this community. Knit and Stitch has been in West Vancouver's Dunderave neighbourhood for 22 years. Owner Ingrid Mozarts says her mother started the business more than 50 years ago in North Vancouver when she was a child. It's a long time. My mom started in 71. She admits some jokingly called her place Stitch and Bitch as it provided an outlet for some. We mainly complain about men. <laughs> A lot of people, their husbands retired and then they're at home and then the wives are here more. The closure is being prompted by redevelopment and while there won't be a new store, 
A mobile truck is in the planning stages. I'm going to get a food truck, a blank one, and convert it into a wool store. These crafty ladies, not yet ready to give up their needles and yarn. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Coming up, tragedy on the tarmac. How hundreds of passengers made it off a burning plane safely. Plus, a cautionary tale for drivers about stolen license plates in Calgary. From breaking news to developing stories, no one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. Come home to the team you trust. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. Just days after a devastating earthquake struck Japan, displacing more than 58,000 people, a Coast Guard aircraft and a jetliner collided on a runway at Tokyo's Haneda Airport. Both planes burst into flames, and as Global's Reggie Giacchini reports, the pair of tragedies has left the island country on edge and in mourning. At the world's third busiest airport, an attempt to bring aid to people impacted by the New Year's Day earthquake in Japan ended before it could begin. A landing Japan Airlines jet collided with a Coast Guard relief aircraft, resulting in a full investigation in a country where safety standards are some of the highest. Airline executives say they're going through all communications from the cockpit and control tower. So more than one thing generally has to have gone wrong to it result, for it to have resulted in such a tragic outcome. At touchdown inside the plane... Panic among the more than 300 passengers was evident as a hellish orange glow began to envelop the aircraft before the evacuation slide provided a path to freedom. This passenger says it only took about five minutes to get everyone out, almost miraculous timing given the plane was fully engulfed moments later. The incident further hindering efforts to help victims of Monday's earthquake, where at the epicenter, it's estimated 5,000 homes were destroyed, sending thousands into shelters. This center's operator says even if there's just a little shaking, it makes everyone nervous. It's the loss of freedom and having to be patient that's the hardest, this resident says. Japanese officials say they're working tirelessly to free those trapped in buildings. We are to put lives first, this cabinet secretary says. We'll make an utmost effort to save people in emergency rescue operations. Hundreds of aftershocks have rippled across the region since the initial jolt. And officials with the state weather agency believe powerful tremors could persist for up to a week. With access to the heavily damaged Noto Peninsula severely limited and weather conditions near freezing, time may now be the most limited resource available. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. A Calgary woman is warning the public after thieves recently targeted her vehicle, stealing her license plates. Global, Global's Craig Momney explains why the plates were likely stolen and a few precautions to make sure it doesn't happen to you. This security device is meant to catch any suspicious activity. But unfortunately, it wasn't recording when Emanuela Anye needed it to catch a criminal on camera. I was shocked. I was taken aback. Anye says she was out shopping last Friday when she happened to glance at her license plate. She didn't recognize the seven red digits because they weren't hers. She immediately went to police. They said the vehicle was stolen the week prior. 
So it's been reported stolen for a while. So like I bet they've been driving with my plates for a while as well. She heard about other plates being stolen around the Evanston neighborhood through an app called Nextdoor. And it was the comments that shook her more than the swap. Very scary because I heard in the comments people have been pulled over at gunpoint. And like, I'm just glad that didn't happen to me, but it would have, it could have been very scary. Dominic Shamoon with AMA says the company works closely with police and knows this is an issue of concern. He says unknowingly driving with a stolen plate can create a potential encounter with law enforcement. When they see a vehicle that has a license plate that's been reported as stolen, uh, they, they have to think that that vehicle itself is probably stolen and they have to approach those incidents with, you know, an increased level of, of caution. He recommends taking a few precautions cautions to ensure you're not driving with a stolen plate. Keeping an eye on their vehicle, they're checking their plate, uh, taking the uh, opportunity to install some anti-theft screws, uh, if that's something that, that they're able to do. According to the province, if your plate is stolen, report it to the police and request security screws for the new plate. In order to get a new plate, a police file number and a $28 fee is required. Anya says the camera outside her home is now recording and she's taking the necessary precautions. Like at least it was just $28 and on my life. Um, but yeah, just checking my plates, checking my plates regularly, checking Nextdoor app regularly. <laughs> Craig Momney, Global News. In health matters, Infamil brand infant formula is being recalled across Canada over concerns it might be contaminated with a dangerous bacteria. According to Health Canada, the brand's Neutromygen A plus LGG hypoallergenic formula might be tainted with Chronobacter sakazakii. The bacteria can cause serious or fatal infections in the bloodstream, central nervous system, and intestines. So far, there have been no reports of illnesses, thankfully, but batches of the formula with an expiry date of January 1st, 2025, involving the 561-gram containers, should not be consumed or sold. Coming up, fire on a transit train, a near disaster in Toronto that has some asking for tighter restrictions on e-bikes. And no snow, no problem, at least not yet, how Prince George is preparing for a major outdoor sports event. Prince George Ski Club is preparing for the possibility of bringing out the big guns to prepare for an upcoming world championship competition. The Caledonian Nordic Ski Club will be hosting the Parabiathlon World Championships and Paranordic World Cup Finals in March. But the Prince George area is currently dealing with what is a familiar problem in many parts of Canada. A distinct lack of winter and very little snow on the ground. They're not panicking yet, though. But if Mother Nature doesn't comply, they do have a plan B. For March, we have uh, 31 hydrants spread out across the stadium areas, all the competition trails, and we have, uh, we have nine snow guns that we move around to, uh, to make snow. We're well prepared. We have one of the largest snowmaking systems at a Nordic centre in Canada. The snowmaking is certainly our, our mitigation strategy for hosting these big world events um, because snow is, is always kind of the, the variable factor. The temperature has to be just right for the snow guns to work effectively. But the club says it is optimistic it will be able to get the job done if those guns are needed. 
Yvonne Shell is in for Christy tonight. Happy New Year to you. Are we going to see any <laughs> snow? Uh, Happy New Year, not yet, but we could oh. for the local mountains. Uh, in the long-range forecast, temperatures are actually going to cool off, and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. A quick glance, though, we're tracking rain this evening. A few heavier pockets, it is going to ease off with the chance of showers as we look ahead towards tomorrow. A quick look back on 2023 because December was the second warmest on record. All the areas that are in red, that's above the average. We had double digits that took us right through the holidays and there are only a few spots we can see on the first eighth and the ninth where the average is closer to seven so it was a mild one and that will take number two so far in the record books now here's what we are looking at there's that wave of rain it'll be heavy right now just along the western edge it extends right in towards the freezer valley we're tracking it across the island as well and it is going to pick up once again through the afternoon for the northern and western regions of the island with heavier rain and windy conditions here's the nice break that we're anticipating this will be for tomorrow but still giving us that chance for some showers and then the next weather maker that is in behind this will be our Thursday is going to bring another round of rain right across the board so the plan for tomorrow we are going to see the rain taper off to just a chance for some showers hoping to see a few breaks in there as well but it's that long range forecast that takes us in towards our Thursday that we are going to track that next round of rain wanted to show the long range forecast and the potential for some flurries this is still a few days out it's the latter half of the weekend on Sunday night into Monday it'll be cold enough below the freezing mark we could see the potential for some flurries. It'll be great news for the local mountains and it is a touch cooler as we look ahead into towards the long range forecast as well. Wet and windy along the north coast with temperatures up to six. Central interior could still see a few flurries, more of a clearing towards the afternoon. All areas into the southern interior chance for some flurries changing over to showers higher elevations if you're along the mountain passes could pick up to two centimeters rain's going to move in quite early that's along the northern and western regions of the island windy at times between 60 and up to 80 kilometers per hour we've got a few isolated showers in the mix it'll be unsettled tomorrow and then the heavier rain on thursday towards the end of the week both days giving us a chance for some showers all right tonight's weather window this is a shot that was captured in the fraser valley by philip great one very pretty. Thanks, Philip, for sending that in, and thank you, Yvonne. All right, uh, Squire Barnes is in now with a look ahead to sports. Squire, what have you got? Well, the Canucks are home tonight, taking on the Ottawa Senators. Now, Vancouver has been working a lot at practice with their number one power play unit, which has struggled of late. Um, I really like the, the, this morning. I, I really feel that it's going to be a factor tonight, uh, what we did this morning. Hasn't been noticed as much because the Canucks have been getting points, but the power play has regressed a lot in the last month. All right, look forward to that. Thanks, Squire. And the fire on a Toronto commuter train raising concerns about e-bikes on public transit. Well, the, yeah, are you Sorry, ready to go there? Just my jacket. No lint. You look good. Thank Last you. Minute. Well, it's been brushed. That's, Check. that's good. Uh, silver lining in the fact that uh, the Canucks power play hasn't really been working. Well, that's true. They're and winning. it's a rather strange stat because in the month of December, Vancouver's win percentage was 750. That was the same as Edmonton. Only Winnipeg was better at 846. But the Canucks won a lot of games without a very good power play, which in December was third worst percentage-wise in the NHL, despite all the talent on it. 
Now, that was one of the things Rick Tockett was working on at practice before tonight's game against Ottawa, that and a number of other things. And our own Jay Janauer, almost said Jay Durant. Of course, he was in sports, but Jay Janauer was there to watch it all. We're about to find out if practice makes perfect for the Vancouver Canucks. Since losing 4-1 to the Philadelphia Flyers here on Thursday night, it has been practice, practice, and more practice for the Vancouver Canucks. The Senators are coming off a 5-1 victory Sunday night against the Buffalo Sabres, so we're going to find out if all this practice helps the Canucks reset to their winning ways. Uh, when you don't practice often, you kind of forget some of those details, so we had good three, uh, good three hard practices and worked on, on details and in our structure, so um, we should be ready to go tonight. Can you give us the details as well? I mean, it's just, I think it's just everything, you know, breaking pucks out, um, body positioning, um, you know, things we talk about every day. So um, it's easy to get away from those, and um, we went over some video and, and looked at what we can do to be better. I think we played the most games up until Christmas, so it's nice to take a breath here and kind of regroup and get your bearings, you know, ha- you know feel good about your body and your game and have some practice reps, and hopefully um, going into this two-week road trip, but I'll prove that it was uh, well needed. Well, we raised the bar, right? The pressures, uh, you know, if they, were, they thought guys had pressure at the beginning of the year, you know, to, you know, guys were, you know, not saying scared, but hey, we better have a start, which was good. Now we goes, hey, how are we going to keep the bar raised? That's the next level now. Like, how do you sustain it? Um, that's playing harder. That's competing harder. That's playing inside. That's practicing hard. Uh, when it's your day off, you know, whatever your, you know, rest your body, your mind, it's, it's, it's another level that we've raised around here. And now the pressure comes with it. And uh, who wants to play games with no pressure? It sucks. So that's the way I look at it. Now we may see a lineup change for the Vancouver Canucks tonight because Rick Tockett, unsure about Nils Hoaglander's status. Hoaglander has been the odd man out at practice here at Rogers Arena the last couple of days. Tockett clearly not pleased with what he's been seeing from Hoaglander. Carson Soucy, the defenseman who's been out for with injury for the last couple weeks, inching closer to his return, but it looks like Rick Tockett not afraid to shuffle his lineup to get back to those winning ways. i got to be honest, tonight's game, you know, it could decide who comes out of the lineup and who Seuss goes in. I mean, that's just the world we live in. You have full-strength team. I hate to say it's a game-to-game, but some guys it is game-to-games. Thatcher Demko, your starting goalie for the Vancouver Canucks against the Ottawa Senators. And then following tonight's game, the Vancouver Canucks begin a seven-game road trip beginning Thursday in St. Louis. From Rogers Arena with your ringside report, Jay Janower, Global Sports. Well, Canada's stay at the World Junior Tournament did not last as long as we all thought it would. Taking on Czechia today in the quarterfinals, uh, that's not good goaltending. Matisse Russo had a bad first period. Got to stop that. That made it 1-0. Here's another goal that makes you wince. Thomas Sabolka makes it 2-0 in the first period. Now, remember last year, these two teams met in the gold medal final. Canada had a 2-0 lead. The Czechs tied it, and then Canada won in overtime. Today, the Czechs had a 2-0 lead. Then Canada came back and tied it, and then the Czechs, well, I'll show you their winning goal. That is a nice save by Russo right there. That is a nice save, and that seemed to spark Canada to get back in this game in the second period. The Nymo's Matthew Wood. This kid can shoot, and here's a perfect example of that skill as Canada cuts the lead from 2-0 to 2-1. And then a guy who rarely scores goals, defenseman Jake Furlong, gets one to make it 2-2. And Canada really was the better team in the final 40 minutes of this game, but they got very unlucky with only 11 seconds to go. One more look at the tying goal. Now let's go to what proved to be the winning goal, and 
it was essentially an overtime goal when you score with just over 11 seconds left. And as you can see here, uh, Jakub Stansel, who scored the first goal for the Czechs, gets this one, but it goes in off Oliver Bonk. And you can see it better right here. Just a bad bounce for Canada. That's it. We're out of the tournament. The Czechs move on to the final four. But the team that has three Canuck prospects, Sweden, is still in it. Jonathan LeCaramacchi had nine shots on goal today for the Swedes. Scored this one. This is rather Pedersen-like, this shot he has been honing the last couple of years in Sweden. If all goes well, maybe you'll see him near the end of the season with the Abbotsford Canucks. That gave the Swedes a 2-0 lead. Switzerland came back to tie, but then in overtime, a power play, and actually, LeCaramacchi gets an assist on this goal. Axel Sandin Palika scores a winner, and the Swedes win it by the score of 3-2 in OT. There you go. Great action. No doubt. Thank you, Squire. Up next, an e-bike battery sparks a fiery commute in Toronto. Will it change the rules about what you can take on the train? That's next. Jordan Armstrong is standing by now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, Ontario and Quebec have done it, so is it time for B.C. to implement a province-wide ban on using cell phones in the classroom? Quebec's ban kicks in when students return from winter break. Here in B.C., it's up to individual schools and districts to establish their own policies. But some parents feel that isn't working. You'll hear their concerns and what the government thinks of a provincial ban tonight on Global News at 11. Chris? All right, well, tune in. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, there's a good reason airlines restrict you from packing lithium batteries in checked luggage. It's because of the risk of fire. But you can legally bring them on public transit. Yeah, it might be time to take a second look at that after a scary subway fire in Toronto over the weekend. The scene is out of the ordinary, a fire on a subway car ignited by an e-bike. The fire that we saw was, uh, was rapid and intense, there's no doubt about that. Sunday afternoon at Young and Shepherd, crews got here in four minutes after an e-bike belonging to a rider caught fire. Toronto's fire chief says the battery was to blame. When lithium-ion batteries fail and ignite, the response is an intense, rapidly developing fire that poses an immediate risk to anyone in the area. No one was injured except the bike's owner. The TTC said in a statement, the safety of our customers and employees is our number one priority, adding we are examining similar incidents of e-bike fires that have occurred on transit systems in North America and Europe. It's legal to bring an e-bike onto a subway car. The devices are generally considered safe, although when there are lithium-ion fires, two modes of transit are typically involved. The majority of these fires involve micro-mobility devices such as scooters and e-bikes. Chief Matthew Pegg says Toronto Fire Services and the TTC are looking at whether policies and rules could change to improve safety for riders. We have to balance the important need for things like mobility assistive devices on the TTC against and with the, the concerns and the, the necessary provisions for public fire safety. Pegg says fires develop when a damaged battery is used or the wrong battery for the application or batteries that are not approved. It is a mounting issue, it is a growing concern, and this is not an uncommon thing. When technology advances at the rate that we're seeing this type of battery technology advance, it almost always outpaces things like codes and standards and regulations. And in case you're wondering what the rules are here, TransLink tells Global News e-bikes are permitted 
on exterior bus bike racks, SkyTrain, C-Bus, and West Coast Express services. Scooter-style electric bikes are not permitted on bus bike racks, though, because they weigh too much and don't fit properly on the rack. We have a very special announcement to make right now. <laughs> I'll let you do it. Okay, it's my mom's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, mother. And why are you not answering my texts today? What's going on there? Should we say? No, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. not. Maybe no, not. She, wouldn't, she wouldn't. She would be uncomfortable with that. Very, very What's happy Sophie's birthday. What's Sophie's mom's name? Susan. Okay. Happy birthday, Susan. Happy birthday, Susan. <laughs> uh, all right, Yvonne, uh, last word on weather before we go. Uh, we're tracking a bit of rain this evening. It's light for most areas. Should taper off to a chance of showers for tomorrow. Highs will be up to 7. We'll stay steady over the coming days. The next round of rain that will be heavy is on Thursday. And then if we're looking ahead for cooler temperatures, it's as we get in towards the latter half of the weekend, Sunday, Monday, below the freezing mark. The ingredients are there. We could see some flurries, at least some light snowfall for higher elevations. The alpine will be included within that. Uh, but for tomorrow, isolated showers in the mix and then heavier rain for Thursday. And happy birthday to everyone who has a birthday around this time of year because you kind of get cheated out of a birthday. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Host. With all <laughs> the other celebrations totally. going on for sure. All right. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. First news hour of the year is in the books with the most of the team. We miss you, Christy, and hope you get back here soon, too. Have a good night, all. <laughs>